0: My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. This
1: is Inside Sports. Tashi Mamla, the first South African to get 300 in a test match.
0: Your country salutes you. Inside the News. It's a really good It's Shabalala. the
1: Inside the Updates.
0: as alaikum. i just gone a five-past eight. You're listening to Inside Sport, exclusive to The Voice of the Cape, where we cover all the latest news and chat to past and present sports stars as well. I'm your host, Philo Sheikh, and pushing all the buttons for me tonight is Nasser Maiberg. My guest is the coach of Banyana Banyana, Desiree Ellis. But before I chat to her, let's catch up with the latest news coming through. Red Bull's Max Verstappen won the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone today. The mercedes Pair of Lewis Hamilton, and Valtteri Bottas uh, finished second and third respectively. Bayern Munich will meet Barcelona in the Champions League quarter-finals after beating Chelsea 4-1 for a 7-1 aggregate win, while Barca beat Napoli 3-1 to go through 4-2 on aggregate. The quarter-finals get underway on Wednesday with Atalanta taking on Paris Saint-Germain. Now, Malmö's Sundowns will play Bloom Celtic in the final of the NetBank Cup. Both matches were played yesterday. Sundowns beat Bidvest 3-2, while Celtic beat Baraka FC. that final will take place on the 8th of September and England pulled off a three-wicket victory over Pakistan in the first test at Old Trafford thanks to a brilliant partnership between Chris Wokes and Joss Butler chasing 277 to win the match England looked all but beaten at 117 for 5 only for Wokes and Butler to counter attack in a partnership of 139 Wokes was unbeaten in the end on 84 while a Butler made 75 it's time now uh, uh, to chat to my guest this evening, Desiree Ellis. Thanks for chatting to us on the Voice of the Cape. Hi, uh, Charles. Thanks for
1: having me, and welcome to the listeners.
0: Now you can join the conversation as well. Call zero two one double four two three five three or WhatsApp zero seven two two three eight zero seven one two for any comments or questions for Desiree. Now let's start with your early days, Desiree. Was soccer your regional sport of choice?
1: Most definitely. Since the age of six, um, there was no girls' football back then, but uh, um, I played with boys, um, my cousins were all boys. So um, in the afternoons, um, my mom and dad worked um, in Cape Town. We lived in Hayderveld, my granny lived in South River. So we would went to Dryden Street and afternoon after school we would play with my cousins, um, boys. But at school I did athletics and I did hockey and um, I did ballet, um, but football was my, my choice.
0: Now, um you played for quite a few teams in your days. Uh, talk uh, talk to us about some of those teams you played for in Cape Town.
1: Well, I first I first played for Athlon Celtic, um, and then when they became defunct, I, I joined Weinberg and Johns, and and out of Weinberg and Johns, we left and we formed a team called um, Choices United, who changed their name to Saban United. Um, I then left. I went to join a new club, set up a new club with someone. I uh, played for Moonlighters. I came back to Saban um, um, United. We then changed our name to Cape Town Spurs Women's Football Team. And when they formed IX um, with her seven stars, We went and called ourselves uh, Spurs uh, Women's Football Club, and that club is still in existence now for more than 30 years.
0: Mm. Now, there's something very interesting I I read, where You went away for the weekend with the club, but didn't return in time and was therefore fired from your job, which was in Lansdowne. Is that a true story? Tell us about it.
1: Actually, I went for national trials. Mm. Um, Nelson Mandela was released from prison, and um, all the the Western Cape uh, players um, then drove up to Johannesburg in a minibus. Um, I went to my boss, I worked at the meat market, Um, went to my boss and said, look, um, this is opportunity of a lifetime. And he said, well, I needed to decide. And you know, I worked uh, in mixed spices for uh. the colonies and stuff, and made sure that there was enough stock. And uh, we went up by, by minibus. Um, I made the team as, a, as, a, as the vice captain, scored a hat-trick, 14 against uh, Swaziland, who's now called Eswatini. And then on our way back, um, we got a puncture. So I got to work a day late, and I was and I was fired. So I, so I, so I was out of work for three
0: years. Oh God damn, shame, man! Uh, now playing in the uh, 70s and 80s, growing up, you know, in 70s and 80s, playing football. Did you ever think that one day you're going to be playing for your country?
1: Look it was always a dream but um, during the apartheid you never thought it was possible and, and meeting 30, um and you think this is not going to happen in your lifetime and then um, Nelson Mandela gets released from prison and at the age of 30 I get the opportunity to go try out and play for the national team so now I'm living my dream I don't have work <laughs> but um, I'm not going to say I didn't care um, but that is something that I've dreamed of for a very very long time and now it was finally happening so you know, I tried to stay in the team as long as I could, could um, train every single day because, you know, that, that is what I dreamt of.
0: Now, um, you, you mentioned a little bit about those trials. Back then, obviously, you were playing club football. It wasn't like a professional era at the time and stuff like that. How did you guys get notification about trials? And obviously, you had to find your own way uh, back and forth to Johannesburg, right? How did those trials go and where was it?
1: Look, we had, we, we play provincial tournaments, obviously, and then um, the first national team was going to be selected. And through the provincial tournaments, um, you get selected for a possible and a probable, and that. So all the players that that were selected at the at the tournament, and you know other players, uh, the sort of unification, mm-hmm. other players coming together. Um, we we then got invited to to try out for the national team, and I remember Terry Payne being our first coach. Um, and the first captain was also from the Western Cape and Charles I was mm-hmm. Then vice captain, Um, and through those tournaments, that's where um, you know players got um, identified um, to come to trials or to be added to the squad. And um, and every year they would have this um, inter-provincial tournaments, and the coaches and selectors would be there and look at the current players Mm. and 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 look at new players as well. So that's basically how you know how we got selected for the national team back then.
0: So if you had to put a a figure to it in terms of the number of ladies that took part in these trials, how how many would you say plus minus would be for, for for you guys to compete against each other, and then eventually getting down to this to the squad number?
1: Well, we were over thirty players mm. um, that came for that first trial. Uh, um, over thirty players, and eventually, I think it was I think it was closer to forty, mm. but eventually, eventually, they chose about twenty-five uh, or so, um, and uh, we played our first game while we were in that camp. Uh, we played our first game against um, uh, Swaziland, who's now Swatini. And uh, we beat them 14-0, and um, I was one of three players to score a hat on debut. Yeah, and
0: and then I was going to come to that, but that's fine. And then um, when your name was mentioned as playing or getting selected for South Africa, Banyana Banyana, what were your feelings at the time?
1: I mean, I was over the moon, you know. Um, this is stuff you dream of. Growing up and, and playing football And mm. and as I said At the age of 30 When you know It's almost time To, to, to give up um, You know The opportunity comes So I wanted to make sure That uh, you know I get into that team And, and wanted to make sure That I'm You know I train as, as hard As I can every day And to try and stay In the team For as long as My body can Um uh, if my body can hold it, you know, um, because uh, uh, back then there were many, many women teams, but um, the opportunity for us to play international football was um, you know, very far between. We didn't play as regularly mm-hmm. as they play now.
0: Now, you played for the national team from 93 to 2002. I think you made about 32 appearances, scoring six goals. Share some of those highlights with us while playing for South Africa.
1: Look, um, when I played for the when I played for the provincial team, I was more of an attacking midfielder. So when I went and played for the national team, I became um, I became a defensive midfielder because of you know a little bit more experience than the others, a little bit more older than the others. And um, in 1994, when we were trying out for um, the World Cup, um, you know, I then became the captain of the team, and we lost heavily to Nigeria home and away, you know, seven one and four one, and um, they were one of the best teams on the continent at that. Time and and I was about to retire and I said okay this is it and then I changed my mind and I just carried on playing um, you know and then in uh, 2002 um, was the first ever Kusafa Cup and uh, we went there and we won that tournament and um, that was the first tournament um, that Banyana or first trophy that Banyana ever got was in was in uh, to, um, 2002 that was even, that was my last game uh, for Banyana Banyana actually. You know, and then um, in 2014, um, that's when my coaching career started. Mm.
0: Now, we, we, you mentioned Nigeria. W- who were the other power horses in terms of uh, women's football in Africa?
1: It was Ghana. They mm. were one of the big teams. It was Cameroon. They were of the, of the top three teams when we were playing Um you know, now a lot of things have changed now. But back then those those were the top players. Um there are a lot of players that have been to to, to World Cups before, um, you know, nineteen ninety one, um, nineteen ninety five, um, And uh, we had then just joined um uh or two or three years after we joined, we were then playing World Cup qualifiers and our final game um was against Nigeria and unfortunately, you know, they showed their quality and their class.
0: Yeah, now for the record, Desiree Ellis was captain of that South African team when we hosted the 2000 African Women's Championship that finished runners-up. She was nominated alongside Mercy Akide and Florence Omagbemi for the African Women's Football of the Year Award and was recognized for her services to soccer in the same year when she received the Silver Presidential Sports Awards. She also led the team to victory in that 2002 Kusafa Cup. Now, what made you get into coaching post-retirement, and was it an immediate choice of yours after your playing days?
1: Look, um, when I was when I was playing, or you know, um, to, towards the latter stages of my playing career, already, I was involved in coaching um, junior teams, um, the under fifteen provincial team, the under nineteen provincial team. Um, I was also involved in a, as a junior convener um, for for football. In, 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 in uh, at that time, it was South Western Province. Um, I was also a pro. I was also a vice president mm. of women's football. So I got involved in that because I knew that. Um, my playing career I was not going to last forever, and then at one of the one of the camps that we were at, I got injured. I hurt my ribs, and the uh, host was holding. Um, uh, he was the technical director at that time. They were having a, a, a introductory course at UWC, and I actually was sent home to do that because I couldn't participate in the rest of the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was towards the end of my career, I was also a player coach along with um, the now performance analyst of uh, Banyana Banyana, Shaleen Boyson. Mm. And in 2005-2006, we won a national championship um, for Spurs ladies as we beat um, Morocco's Swallows in the final. And then after Vodacom came the SESA League, and after, I mean, sorry, the, the Sunlam League. And after that, obviously, the current SESA League.
0: Now, you were part of all that, Desiree, so it must have been a brilliant for you yourself, you know, coming from that era where there was no proper leagues in place and then to get to this stage where you, uh, we are now have uh, uh, proper structured leagues for women's football in the country.
1: No, back in the day, we just had this one league in the Western Cape, and you would play uh, amongst players in Cape Town, um, and then you would go for for provincial crowds and uh, and then you would go for a provincial tournament. You know, now you have the you have development leagues. Um, you know, in at, at, at the six regions in the Western Cape, um, you have the, the regional leagues in all um, six regions. Then you have the Sasser League, which is Western Western uh, in the nine provinces. And now now you have the National League. And not forgetting, you also have university football now, which is huge. You have a club champs, you have a varsity cup, you even have a national team for for university football. So the game has really grown and the game has really evolved.
0: Fantastic. Desiree, we're just going to pause that and now we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll chat after this.
1: This is
0: Inside Sports. Just gone uh, 20 past eight. You're listening to Inside Sport on Voice of the Cape. I'm Firo Sheik, and I'm chatting to the coach of Banyana Banyana, Desiree Ellis. Uh, Desiree, now, you had a 10-year stint with the Spurs ladies before being appointed the interim manager of the South African women's national team in 2016 after Vera Powell resigned following the uh, group stage exit at the 2016 Olympics. Was that something you had to think about uh, when approached, or was it just an, you know, yes, I will do it type of thing?
1: Look, uh, first of all, Vera um, actually didn't resign. She actually just she left. Um, I think she was offered, but she decided that she needed to move on. And um, uh, I was one of a few people that they had in mind um, to do the acting acting coaching position. And obviously, being part of the setup, I, I felt that you know I was ready to, to take that position. And then. Um, You know, they notified me that I I was the acting coach and then selected a squad. And, uh, you know, two weeks later, we were playing a a match. And uh, I can say I won my first game, Mm. (laughs) which (laughs) is always always, always a good start. um, You know, and then we were told to take the team to AFCON, you know, the 2016 AFCON. Mm. Um, We didn't do that well there. We ended fourth. Um, But, you know, that was the start of everything.
0: No, Fantastic. And of of course, we know your achievements since then with the national team finishing runners-up at the African Women's Cup of Nations, only missing out to Nigeria via penalty shootout. Having gone that far, it must have been very, very disappointing missing out on lifting that trophy via that penalty shootout.
1: Look, it was very really disappointing. We had really, really worked hard that year um, because it was a World Cup qualifying tournament as well. Um, you know, so when the draw came out, um, we were in the group with Nigeria and uh, not, only, not many people gave us a, gave us a chance, you mm. know, but we knew um, the first game of that tournament we needed to win you know, to make sure that we get an easier draw um, in the semifinals. And we had worked planned really well. um, And the players executed the plan perfectly. You know, throughout that tournament, they were on top of the game. Um, And um, then we, you know, we expected to play Ghana, but then Mali beat Ghana. So we knew, you know, that we needed to really plan properly. And Mm. uh, when we scored the first goal, you know, we settled down really well and then when we scored the second goal 10 minutes before full time you know I, I had to try I tried to contain myself for um, <laughs> 10 minutes to go because uh, I knew that we were not going to concede three goals and you know I had to just uh, you know com- calm myself down um, because I could hear on the bench that you know some of the players were, were excited already and so on yes. and when the final whistle went it was absolute chaos you know screaming shouting players were praying players, <laughs> Jan- I know Janine was lying flat on her back yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know Cecil was there, and we just looked at each other and we just screamed, and uh, Fran was there, and we just screamed at each other I, I actually don 't think we slept that night
0: well i 'm sure what a fantastic achievement, and of course, the cherry on the cake would have been to qualify for the very first time for the FIFA World Cup. Uh, share with us uh, those feelings of qualifying for that showpiece for the first time ever, and you being the head coach, of course
1: look it was it was just absolutely amazing, you know um you know, the the, the, the girls, we, we, we got back to the hotel and they had these banners, Bayana, Bayana, and mm. we didn't care that the name was written incorrectly because, <laughs> you know, we were just screaming and, and carrying on and going crazy, and, you know, when I switched my phone on, my phone just went mad with all the WhatsApp messages, you know, and, and stuff like that, and, you know, we then got a... a, a, a a video call from uh, the president of the country who was in argentina at the time and i think that was amazing you know the players realized the magnitude of it all and yes we couldn't go one better you know beating nigeria in the final but we gave as good as we got and i think you know the experience of them Mm. Maybe playing in so many finals, mm. you know, maybe told for them and then the penalty shootout, as we know, is a lottery. Um, but the players were magnificent, you know, the coaching staff, the the medical team, the, the rest of the staff. We we, we speak about teamwork, you know, so yes. each and every one of them played their part. But we didn't realize the magnitude until we got back to South Africa, you know, walking mm. out to our Tambo and seeing all that people there then we are realize the magnitude of what we had really done
0: what you've achieved achieved absolutely
1: D- talk us
0: about that that world cup you know um for you for you as a coach for the players taking part in this major event you know one of you know uh, millions of people are watching everybody wants to be part of the world cup what was it like in terms of the feeling and the highlights of just being part of that
1: You know, it was daunting for us at first because none of us had the experience of being at the World Cup. You know, there were two players that went to an under-17 World Cup just a couple of months prior. But none of us had any experience. But, you know, we played some tough games along the way to get Mm. us ready. We didn't win a game, you know, and maybe we could have done better in some of those games. But we needed those tough matches. You know, playing the USA were number one. Um, And then, you know, we then went from where we were preparing in France to booking into the FIFA Hotel. And I think that's where it really sunk in. You walk out and you see the bus and it's got uh, South Africa on there. And now you realize that you're here. And we prepared really well and planned really well, and you know, I, I still listened to the match, the yeah. commentators yeah. saying it's not going to script them. Um, this is not what's supposed to be happening, and because we had taken a very good lead, and you know, and we spoke about just trying to stay calm and trying to get that second one, and we didn't, and. Uh, You know, then we got a couple of tough decisions go our way and, you know, before we knew it, we were down to 10 players and chasing the game and, you know, lost 3-1. I I didn't think that, you know, um, that was a true uh, reflection, but Mm. uh, sometimes those results go your way and the second game becomes a final Um, and the third game we knew was always going to be tough against Germany. Mm. And, uh, you know, we didn't get the results we wanted, but I think we had shown that you know, um, we yet we to stay and uh, hopefully we can make the one in 2023.
0: And compete as well. You know, Desiree, looking at, the, at that World Cup, the standard of the football, I mean, um, look at the likes of the USA and some of the European teams, England, Germany, the Netherlands. Uh, you know, it must be pleasing to see such high quality and obviously the crowd attendances as well.
1: No, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, we, you walk out, and there were so many South Africans in the crowd as well, which was really amazing. And a lot of the fans that, that were not South African fans actually, you know, uh, took a took a liking to the South African players. The way the way we try, tried to play play football, they took a a liking to that. And we showed, you know, um, like you said, we w- want to go to another one um, to show that we've learned lessons there, and we want to show go and compete, you know. Not not that we didn't go compete in the first one but we were a very tough group um mm. and uh, i remember jill alice at the draw which was the december she came and she said to me this is so tough but you know what just go out and do your best you know and it was still tr- it was strange we all had the world cup and year before the first game she sends me a text text message and she says to me because you've got this mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh such a uh 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 uh, high-quality coach and still has time to, you know, uh, wish you well. So, uh, you know, that's how the, what the World Cup is all about. There's a lot of rivalry, but there's also, you know, a lot of friendship. And Absolutely. I think uh, our players acquitted themselves extremely, extremely well.
0: Now, I want to mention some of your personal achievements with Banyana Banyana. I'm going to mention some of them before getting your thoughts on them. CAF Women's National Team Coach of the Year 2018-2019, just the second coach, male or female, to win back-to-back awards. And the first since the late Frenchman Bruno Metsu did so after his export to Senegal in 2001 and 2002. The first person to win the Kosafa Women's Championship as both player and coach. Western Province player of the year, 83 and 93. Safa Special Recognition Gold Award 2001. Presidential Sports Silver Award uh, 2001. So that list goes on and on, Desiree. Um, What are your thoughts on those achievements, uh, you know, by yourself as a coach and player?
1: You know, um, as a player, yes, you're going out there, you're performing as part of a team. But I think as a coach, because you're involved in team sports, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the award. You know, if the team doesn't do well, the coach is on the red carpet. Mm. But, you know, you've got to give credit to the coaches that I work with, um, you know, uh, the staff that I work with, um, because they play a big role as well, you know. Um, assistant, coach, performance, analyst, you've got your fitness trainer and your medical team and the rest of the staff, then, you know, um, you know the I, I believe the building block that the previous coaches put in, you know, um, because Banyana didn't start when I came. You know, you had yes. Joseph Mkonza. He, won, he went to Olympics in, in London 2012. The mm-hmm. first one, you know, to go to a major. And then I was fortunate to go with Vera as an assistant coach to um, the 2016 uh, Rio Olympics, mm-hmm. you know. But I think the big one that was missing for all of us as players that have come before, coaches that have come before was the World Cup, and I was fortunate that, you know, I was the coach at the time. So we didn't only do it for the, for, for, for the team that was there, um, you know, but also for the players that have come before. Because mm-hmm. it was their dream as well, you know. And the coaches are on the ground, you know. I, I communicate on a regular basis with them uh, the contribution that they make. Because we don't have a professional league. So when we send out training programs, we rely on the coaches to help us, you know. And we rely on the players to train. And I think that is that has been big for us, the commitment and the effort shown by everyone. So you know, there's a lot of people you have to thank, and the sponsor for getting a lot of a lot of games, and, and, and the federation. You know, they took a, a decision to co- to have women uh, coaches for all the female teams. So yes, I get the award, but um, you know, it's a success for everyone um, because uh, we're in team sport, and I say we have this. Um, this team ethic thing that, uh, you know, we, we we play as a team because uh, if the team does well, the individual will stand out. And I'm just blessed that I'm one of the individuals besides Timby and a few other players that have stood out. So, you know, the rewards are there and the awards are there. But for me, success success is... When the team does well, success is when players go abroad, success is when players get awards because we're in a team sport. But as you say, you know, somebody is the head of the team and it falls on that individual. So I'm grateful for that, but it's not just my award alone. Mm.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, uh, your various coaches. As for our listeners out there, give us Give us an idea in terms of what would your team be—not the players, your coaching staff be uh, the the numbers and how many different types of coaches you would have to prepare a squad or team for a a major tournament, for example.
1: Look, obviously myself, then I have an assistant coach um, who's also got the A license, like CAF license, like myself. I have a performance analyst. Um, She does all the the opposition and our analysis and everything. She's also um, an A-license coach. Um, The assistant coach is the coach of UWC. The performance analyst um, is Cape Town-based. And then uh, Rida Berdin um, is my fitness trainer. Um, He's currently working in Tanzania. Um, I also have a goalkeeper coach. as a male goalkeeper coach. And then we have a medical team. We have a doctor. We have... um, uh, two physios, we have a massage therapist, you know, and then we have, then we have the kit manager, we have the manager of the team, um, we have obviously the bus driver that drives us around, we have a media officer, um, and then obviously the head of head of delegation as well. So that's basically what it is. Sometimes you have um, uh, opposition analysts, um, but at the World Cup we ha- only had the one analyst who did both ours and the opposition um and and the bigger and better teams um like the u.s have a yes. top of 24.
0: so that's so our, such
1: star, our star was plus minus 14.
0: yeah so it's still a huge uh, group of people coming together to prepare the squad uh, for the, the tournaments and the games and stuff. Let's talk about Banyana Banyana now. So he, it must be great for women's soccer in our country that so many players are now making the move abroad. I mean, a lot of them have been in the news recently. Uh, we saw Janine van Vaker joining the Scottish champions, Glasgow City, uh, there's Jim, uh, Jermaine Sierpo who has joined the Portuguese side, Braga. Um, there's um, Notando Vilakazi. There's... Uh, uh, quite a few of them. We have uh, Kelso Peskin, who have joined the French side, uh, uh, the Stade Brestois I think it is, from Toulouse. That's correct. That's and correct, then yeah. Amanda and Tandy. So you as a head coach must be absolutely proud of this. This is only August well for our football.
1: I think it's incredible. You know, we've got players uh, that have played abroad before. You know that have been part of the national team, but you rightfully say so you know I always knew, and everyone knew this talent in this country, but I think you know um playing at the international tournament like the World Cup is really where you get measured, and I think um, that is where a lot of them you know got looked at and, um, you know Rafutan has gone to AC Milan. you know one mm. of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, Linda plays in Sweden, a big league. You know, we have three players now playing at Dynamo Minks in um in, in, in Belarus, you know, so it's just it's just amazing, you know, and it's incredible. I think when I look back at twenty sixteen at the AFCON, you know, Nigeria and Cameroon, eighty percent of their players played abroad and you could see you could see that experience coming through. You know, now hopefully we can have similar experiences. From, from these players that are playing abroad, and you know you already saw the difference when um Rafu Ejani and Ra went to um went to Australia and they came back. You could see the difference and hopefully that you know experience of training at a high level every day and playing at a high level every week um you know that can only mean well for our nation for our national team because that is experience that I think we've been lacking you know um, of playing every day at a high level because you know, with all due respect, we have a National League, and a National League, but some clubs train twice a week, some clubs yes. train twice a week, you know, and the intensity that we want them to train at and play at is not there.
0: And then obviously when they come down and join the, uh, the squad uh, for your training camps and stuff like that, so this will rub off on the ladies that, have, uh, that are playing in the local uh, leagues as well.
1: No, most definitely, you know, and the the players that are that are that are from the local leagues, obviously, they're going to push themselves because, mm. you know, if some players can get an opportunity to play abroad and and show your work on day, so you know, I mean, that only makes a good competition in the team, but also a better a better team because everyone is now pushing everyone, and the players that come from abroad, obviously, tell their little stories of of the work of you know how things are done there, um, and that professionalism definitely rubs off as well.
0: Uh, there's a, so. Do you keep in touch with these ladies from all these different leagues? Do you guys have like a, a WhatsApp group or something where you chatting regularly in terms of how they're doing and stuff like that?
1: No, most definitely. I sometimes even watch games. Um, today, Janine had a friendly um, for Glasgow Celtic against um, uh, Glasgow City against uh, Manchester United, and she she played 45 minutes. She hasn't played, you know, for for a long while. Um, and I stay re- in regular contact now also due to COVID. We, we at least chat once or twice a week with the players that are abroad. Um, but the we have a core group of 38, so we divided the group in three. So the assistant coach, Dina Sonke, takes a, takes a, a group of players, um, the performance analyst, Shaleen, so that we can give personal interaction, especially during this difficult times, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And then once or twice a month, I speak to all the players, also to the staff. Um, it's a difficult time for everyone. You know, players are not used to being cooped up uh, indoors. Yes. So we just have to keep each other motivated. So we stay in contact all the time.
0: Now, you mentioned COVID, of course, it's put a stop to lots of sport, but which we see sport is starting again uh, slowly with the local football now starting yesterday as well. When uh, will we be seeing banana banana in action again?
1: Look, um, I suppose, you know, when FIFA and CAF and SAFA decided it's safe to do so, um, you know, um so we're just urging people to you know make sure that they stick to the rules and regulations, make sure that they you know wear their masks and sanitize and keep their distancing and, and and flatten the curve so that we can all go back to doing what we love, but uh we're not sure we haven't been told so since uh lockdown, we've been sending our daily programs um to players. You know, to make sure that you know when we do go back onto the field that we're not too far behind because, as we know, a lot of teams in Europe and clubs in Europe have been playing, even females, and are busy restarting. So, you know, we're a little bit behind, but uh, with the training that we've given them, you know, we hope that we're not too far behind.
0: Desiree, we're going to take another ad break, and when we come back, we will wrap up our conversation. This is Insights Sports. Welcome back. Just gone uh, twenty 22.9. Uh, we're chatting to the coach of Banyana Banyana, Desiree Ellis. Uh, Desiree, b- before the break, you were chatting about the programmes in uh, COVID that is given uh, to the players. Now, how do you guys monitor their progress and what happens if someone doesn't, uh, you know, uh, keep up to the whatever they're supposed to be doing?
1: Look, uh, you know, we've learned to trust the players. Um, you know, um, I remember two, two Decembers ago, when we came and we played the Netherlands and uh, Sweden in Cape Town, everybody was on holiday. And when the players came to camp in January, um, they were at a level that we did not expect, you know. Mm. Uh, so we trust the players. And once before, we went to a Kosafa Cup and uh, one of the players, during training, you could easily see their chat and train. Okay. So we called in and we sent home. You know, um, that was just before the Afcon, and uh, you know, if others can put in the effort to train, and if you're serious about being part of the national sure. team, then you've got to put in that work as well. You know, so we make it known that, you know, um, you know, everybody's got to put in the put in the shift, and everybody's got to put in the work. But we also interact with the coaches, you know, I send the coaches um, of the players that are in the team, especially the newer ones, I would send that to the coaches so that they can see what the players are doing. And we also ask them to help us, um, you know, to monitor that so that when a player comes to camp, um, especially the newer ones, then they're not too far behind because most of the training that we do send is similarly to what we do while we're in camp so players understand when we send out the videos and stuff for them to do um during during the, the the training sessions at home and we do that also before we come into camp you know two weeks prior to camp we send out a program to everyone to make sure that they come into camp on a certain uh, fitness level
0: mm. now fantastic uh, Desiree, uh just before we go um, i'm very curious to you know what were you up to during lockdown as a coach you know uh, uh, what were you guys busy doing were you and your team um, let's leave the players you know as a coaching staff what were you guys up to during lockdown
1: i mean i think i've been more busier than uh, you know normal um you know like the interaction with the players of course um, regular meetings with my with my assistant coaches um, and the performance analysts Looking at uh, previous footage, um, you know, doing uh, uh, analysis and stats um, on a regular basis with the fitness trainer to set up the programs with the manager um, on administrative stuff and then doing, you know, conditioning courses online, doing analysis courses online, um, being part of webinars, um, you know, um, and obviously, um, you know, uh, as well as, uh, uh, you know, with my foundation, busy assisting in and over park and other other feeding schemes where I can, you know, during this difficult time.
0: Mm, oh, fantastic! Tell us tell us a little bit more about your foundation before we go.
1: Look, due, due to COVID, we couldn't launch it, but um, um, the motto is just to, to make to make more stalls. Um and the star is not just someone in football. You know, as someone who can rise above these circumstances. So um, at the moment, we're just helping feeding schemes, um, especially the Nova Park and colleagues of mine that are busy feeding, you know, Atlantis and Riverlands and Mitchell's Plain and Lavender Hill. Um, so we're busy assisting there. Um, you know, most foundations want to give kids an opportunity, but I also want to give coaches an opportunity and I want to assist where I can, you know. Um, I had a great mentor when I was playing my dad, my late dad, so Mm. I just want to be that little link in between where I can make a difference, where I can give someone, uh, create someone an opportunity. Um, So the foundation is very, very broad, but when I use football, obviously, you know, to make that change, to make to to make the next stars mm. um, that will that will come out in in whatever discipline or whatever capacity it may be. Um, so, um, yeah, that's what that's what I'm trying to do through the foundation.
0: Fantastic, Desiree Ellis. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to, to you to you tonight. And keep that uh, SA flag flying high. Uh,
1: thank you very much. I just want to say that uh, please everybody must take care and everybody must stay safe. And uh, please take care of each other during this difficult times. You know, as a country, we've overcome so many things. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, we'll get through this as well.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Desiree. Uh,
1: Thanks, Rose. Thanks for having me.
0: What a lovely lady. That was the coach of Banyana Banyana, Desiree Ellis, uh, chatting to us this evening. I hope you enjoyed another edition of Inside Sport. Now, just before I go, let's just give, a, give you that latest uh, news that was coming through today uh, if you missed it. Red Bulls Max Verstappen won the 70th anniversary uh, Grand Prix at Silverstone. The mercedes pair of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas finished second and third respectively there. Bayern Munich will meet Barcelona in the Champions League quarter finals after beating Chelsea 4-1 for a 7-1 aggregate uh, win, while Barca beat Napoli 3-1 to go uh, through. 4-2 on aggregate. Uh, The quarterfinals get underway on Wednesday, with Atlanta taking on uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Mamelodi Sundowns will play Blum Celtic in the Nedbank Cup final. Both those matches were played yesterday. Sundowns beat Bidveswitz 3-2, while Celtic beat Baraka FC 3-0. That final will take place on the 8th of September, and England pulled off a three-wicket victory over Pakistan in the first test at Old Trafford thanks to a brilliant partnership there between uh, Chris Wilkes and Joss Butler. They came together uh, with a score of 117 for 5. England chasing uh, 277 uh, to win. Wilkes was unbeaten in the end on 84 while Butler made 75. Now the Europa League quarterfinals gets underway tomorrow. I just want to give you those fixtures there. Those matches start at 9 o'clock. Inter Milan take on Bayer Leverkusen. Manchester United take on FC Copenhagen. And then on Tuesday, the uh, quarterfinals wrap up. Shakhtar the next play Basel. Wolves take on Sevilla. The Champions League then gets underway on uh, Wednesday. The uh, the, uh, 12th Atlanta they take on Paris Saint-Germain at uh, Saint-Germain. And then on the 13th, that's Thursday we have uh, Atletico Madrid taking on uh, Leipzig I just want to get those other fixtures for you quickly as well. Uh, um, Barcelona will play uh, Bayern Munich in the other quarterfinal. And then the final quarterfinal on Saturday, we'll see uh, Manchester City taking on a French side, the Lyon. That match will uh, kick off. At nine o'clock, of course, all the quarterfinals are one off matches, they're practically one off knockout matches, no uh, second legs involved there. Uh, I'll be back with more sporting news on the drive time from Monday to Friday from Mifiro Sheikh. Have a lovely evening. assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wa wa This is Inside Sports.